Canto Two of the Island. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Elizabeth Clett. The Island by Lord Byron. Canto the Second. How pleasant were the songs of Tubinay when summer sun went down the coral bay. Come, let us to the islet's softest shade and hear the warbling birds. The damsels said. The wood-dove from the forest depth shall coo, Like voices of the gods from Bolitu, Will cull the flowers that grow above the dead, For these most bloom where rests the warrior's head. And we will sit in twilight's face, And see the sweet moon glancing through the tua-tree, The lofty accents of whose sighing bow Shall sadly please us as we lean below, Or climb the steep and view the surf in vain, wrestle with rocky giants o'er the main, which spurt in columns back the baffled spray, how beautiful are these, how happy they, who from the toil and tumult of their lives steal to look down where naught but ocean strives. Even he, too, loves at times the blue lagoon, and smooths his ruffled mane beneath the moon. Yes, from the sepulchre will gather flowers, then feast like spirits in their promised bowers, then plunge and revel in the rolling surf, then lay our limbs along the tender turf, and wet and shining from the sportive toil, anoint our bodies with the fragrant oil, and plait our garlands gathered from the grave, and wear the wreaths that sprung from out the brave. But lo! night comes, the mua woos us back, the sound of mats are heard along our track, Anon the torchlight dance shall fling its sheen In flashing mazes o'er the marley's green, And we too will be there. We too recall the memory bright With many a festival, Ere Fiji blew the shell of war, When foes for the first time were wafted in canoes. Alas, for them the flower of manhood bleeds! Alas, for them our fields are rank with weeds! Forgotten is the rapture, or unknown, of wandering with the moon and love alone. But be it so. They taught us how to wield the club and rain our arrows o'er the field. Now let them reap the harvest of their art. But feast to-night, to-morrow we depart. Strike up the dance, the carva-bowl fill high, drain every drop, to-morrow we may die. In summer garments be our limbs arrayed, Around our waists the tapas white displayed, Thick wreaths shall form our coronal, like springs, And round our necks shall glance the hoony strings, So shall their brighter hues contrast the glow Of the dusk bosoms that beat high below. But now the dance is o'er, yet stay a while, Ah, pause, nor yet put out the social smile, to-morrow for the mua we depart, but not to-night, to-night is for the heart. Again bestow the wreaths we gently woo, ye young enchantresses of gay Liku. How lovely are your forms! How every sense bows to your beauties, softened but intense, like to the flowers on Mataloko's steep, which fling their fragrance far athwart the deep. We too will see Liku. But, oh, my heart, what do I say? To-morrow we depart. Thus rose a song, 
the harmony of times before the winds blew Europe o'er these climes. True, they had vices, such are nature's growth, but only the barbarians. We have both. The sorter of civilization, mixed with all the savage which man's fall hath fixed. Who hath not seen dissimulation's reign, the prayers of Abel linked to deeds of Cain? Who such would see many from his lattice view the old world more degraded than the new? Now new no more, save where Columbia rears twin giants, born by freedom to her spheres, where Chimborazo over air, earth, wave, glares with his titan eye, and sees no slave. Such was this ditty of tradition's days, which to the dead a lingering fame conveys in song, where fame as yet hath left no sign beyond the sound whose charm is half divine, which leaves no record to the sceptic eye, but yields young history all to harmony. A boy Achilles, with the centaur's lyre in hand, to teach him to surpass his sire. For one long-cherished ballad simple stave, wrung from the rock or mingled with the wave, or from the bubbling streamlet's grassy side, or gathering mountain echoes as they glide, hath greater power o'er each true heart and ear than all the column's conquest's minions rear. Invites, when hieroglyphics are a theme for sages' labours or the student's dream, attracts, when history's volumes are a toil, the first, the freshest bud of feeling's soil. Such was this rude rhyme rhyme is of the rude, but such inspired the Norseman's solitude, who came and conquered, such wherever rise lands which no foes destroy or civilize exist, and what can our accomplished art of verse do more than reach the awakened heart? And sweetly now those untaught melodies broke the luxurious silence of the skies, the sweet siesta of a summer day the tropic afternoon of Tubani, when every flower was bloom and air was balm, and the first breath began to stir the palm, the first yet voiceless wind to urge the wave all gently to refresh the thirsty cave, where sat the songstress with the stranger boy, who taught her passion's desolating joy. Too powerful over every heart, but most o'er those who know not how it may be lost or those who, burning in the new-born fire, like martyrs revel in their funeral pyre, with such devotion to their ecstasy, that life knows no such rapture as to die. And die they do, for earthly life has not matched with that burst of nature, even in thought. And all our dreams of better life above, but close in one eternal gush of love. There sat the gentle savage of the wild, in growth a woman, though in years a child, as childhood dates within our colder clime, where naught is ripened rapidly save crime, the infant of an infant world, as pure from nature, lovely, warm, and premature, dusky like night, but night with all her stars, or cavern sparkling with its native spars, with eyes that were a language and a spell, a form like Aphrodite's in her shell, with all her loves around her on the deep, voluptuous as the first approach of sleep, yet full of life, for through her topic cheek the blush would make its way and all but speak, 
the sun-born blood suffused her neck, and threw o'er her clear nut-brown skin a lucid hue, like coral reddening through the darkened wave, which draws the diver to the crimson cave. Such was this daughter of the southern seas, herself a billow in her energies, to bear the bark of others' happiness, nor feel a sorrow till their joy grew less. Her wild and warm yet faithful bosom knew no joy like what it gave. Her hopes ne'er drew aught from experience, that chill touchstone, whose sad proof reduces all things from their hues. She feared no ill because she knew it not, or what she knew was soon, too soon, forgot. Her smiles and tears had passed as light winds pass o'er lakes to ruffle, not destroy their glass whose depths unsearched and fountains from the hill restore their surface, in itself so still, until the earthquake tear the naiad's cave, root up the spring and trample on the wave, and crush the living waters to amass the amphibious desert of the dank morass. And must their fate be hers? The eternal change but grasps humanity with quicker range, and they who fall but fall as worlds will fall, To rise, if just, a spirit o'er them all. And who is he, the blue-eyed northern child Of isles more known to man but scarce less wild, The fair-haired offspring of the Hebrides, Where roars the Pentland with its whirling seas, Rocked in his cradle by the roaring wind, The tempest born in body and in mind, his young eyes opening on the ocean foam, had from that moment deemed the deep his home. The giant comrade of his pensive moods, the sharer of his craggy solitudes, the only mentor of his youth, where'er his bark was born, the sport of wave and air. A careless thing, who placed his choice in chance, nursed by the legends of his land's romance, eager to hope, but not less firm to bear, Acquainted with all feelings, save despair. Placed in the Arab's clime, he would have been as bold a rover as the sands have seen, and braved their thirst with as enduring lip as Ishmael, wafted on his desert ship. Fixed upon Chile's shore, a proud cacique, on Hellas' mountains, a rebellious Greek. Born in a tent, perhaps a Tamerlane. Bred to a throne, perhaps unfit to reign. For the same soul that rends its path to sway, if reared to such, can find no further prey beyond itself, and must retrace its way. Plunging for pleasure into pain, the same spirit which made a Nero, Rome's worst shame, a humbler state and discipline of heart, had formed his glorious namesake's counterpart. But grant his vices, grant them all his own, how small their theatre without a throne! thou smilest. These comparisons seem high to those who scan all things with dazzled eye, linked with the unknown name of one whose doom has naught to do with glory or with Rome, with Chile, Hellas, or with Araby. Thou smilest. Smile. Tis better thus than sigh. Yet such he might have been. He was a man, a soaring spirit ever in the van, a patriot hero or despotic chief, to form a nation's glory or its grief, born under auspices which make us more or less than we delight to ponder o'er. But these are visions. Say, what was he here? A blooming boy, 
a truant mutineer. The fair-haired Torquil, free as ocean spray, the husband of the bride of Tubinay. By Nuha's side he sat and watched the waters. Nuha, the sun-flower of the island daughters, high-born, a birth at which the herald smiles without a scutcheon for these secret isles, of a long race, the valiant and the free, the naked knights of savage chivalry, whose grassy cairns ascend along the shore, and thine, I've seen, Achilles, do no more. She, when the thunder-bearing strangers came in vast canoes, begirt with bolts of flame, topped with tall trees, which loftier than the palm seemed rooted in the deep amidst its calm. But when the winds awakened, shot forth wings broad as the cloud along the horizon flings, and swayed the waves like cities of the sea, making the very billows look less free. She, with her paddling oar and dancing prow, shot through the surf like reindeer through the snow, swift gliding o'er the breaker's whitening edge, light as a nereid in her ocean's sledge, and gazed and wondered at the giant hulk, which heaved from wave to wave its trampling bulk. The anchor dropped, it lay along the deep, like a huge lion in the sun asleep, while round it swarmed the proas flitting chain, like summer bees that hum around his mane. The white man landed. Need the rest be told? The new world stretched its dusk hand to the old. Each was to each a marvel, and the tie of wonder warmed to better sympathy. Kind was the welcome of the sun-born sires, and kinder still their daughters' gentler fires. Their union grew. The children of the storm found beauty linked with many a dusky form, while these in turn admired the paler glow, which seemed so white in climes that knew no snow. The chase, the race, the liberty to roam, the soil where every cottage showed a home, the sea-spread net, the lightly launched canoe, which stemmed the studded archipelago, or whose blue bosom rose the starry isles the healthy slumber earned by sportive toils, the palm, the loftiest dryad of the woods, within whose bosom infant Bacchus broods, while eagles scarce build higher than the crest which shadows o'er the vineyard in her breast, the kava feast, the yam, the cocoa's root, which bears at once the cup and milk and fruit, the bread-tree, which without the ploughshare yields the unreaped harvest of unfurrowed fields, and bakes its unadulterated loaves without a furnace in unpurchased groves, and flings off famine from its fertile breast, a priceless market for the gathering guest. These with the luxuries of seas and woods, the airy joys of social solitudes, tamed each rude wanderer to the sympathies of those who were more happy, if less wise, did more than Europe's discipline had done, and civilized civilization's son. Of these, and there was many a willing pair, Nuha and Torquil were not the least fair. Both children of the isles, though distant far, both born beneath a sea-presiding star, both nourished amidst nature's native scenes, loved to the last, whatever intervenes between us and our childhood's sympathy, which still reverts to what first caught the eye. 
He who first met the highland swelling blue Will love each peak that shows a kindred hue, Hail in each crag a friend's familiar face, And clasp the mountain in his mind's embrace. Long have I roamed through lands which are not mine, Adored the Alp, and loved the Apennine, Revered Parnassus, and beheld the steep Jove's Ida and Olympus crown the deep. But twas not all long ages lore, nor all their nature held me in their thrilling thrall. The infant rapture still survived the boy, and Lochnagar with Ida looked o'er Troy, mixed Celtic memories with the Phrygian mount, and Highland Linns with Castile's clear fount. Forgive me Homer's universal shade, forgive me, Phoebus, that my fancy strayed. The North and nature taught me to adore your scenes sublime from those beloved before. The love which maketh all things fond and fair, the youth which makes one rainbow of the air, the dangers past that make even man enjoy the pause in which he ceases to destroy, the mutual beauty, which the sternest feel strike to their hearts like lightning to the steel, united the half-savage and the whole the maid and boy, in one absorbing soul. No more the thundering memory of the fight wrapped his weaned bosom in its dark delight. No more the irksome restlessness of rest disturbed him like the eagle in her nest, whose wetted beak and far-pervading eye darts for a victim over all the sky. His heart was tamed to that voluptuous state, at once Elysian and effeminate, which leaves no laurels o'er the hero's urn. These wither when for aught save blood they burn. Yet when their ashes in their nook are laid, Doth not the myrtle leave as sweet a shade? Had Caesar known but Cleopatra's kiss, Rome had been free, the world had not been his. And what have Caesar's deeds and Caesar's fame done for the earth? We feel them in our shame. The gory sanction of his glory stains the rust which tyrants cherish in our chains. Though glory, nature, reason, freedom, bid roused millions do what single Brutus did, sweep these mere mock-birds of the despot song from the tall bough where they have perched so long, still are we hawked at by such mousing owls, and take for falcons these ignoble fowls when but a word of freedom would dispel these bugbears, as their terrors show too well. Wrapped in the fond forgetfulness of life, Nuha, the South Sea girl, was all a wife, with no distracting world to call her off from love, with no society to scoff at the new transient flame, no babbling crowd of coxcombry in admiration loud, or with adulterous whisper to alloy her duty and her glory and her joy, with faith and feelings naked as her form, she stood as stands a rainbow in a storm, changing its hues with bright variety, but still expanding lovelier o'er the sky, howe'er its arch may swell, its colours move, the cloud-compelling harbinger of love. Here in this grotto of the wave-worn shore they passed the tropic's red meridian o'er, nor long the hours, they never paused or time, unbroken by the clock's funereal chime, which deals the daily pittance of our span, and points and mocks with iron laugh at man. What deemed they of the future, or the past? 
the present like a tyrant held them fast. Their hour-glass was the sea-sand, and the tide, like her smooth billow, saw their moments glide, their clock the sun, in his unbounded tower they reckoned not, whose day was but an hour. The nightingale, their only vesper-bell, sung sweetly to the rose the day's farewell. The broad sun set, but not with lingering sweep, as in the north he mellows o'er the deep, but fiery, full, and fierce, as if he left the world for ever, earth of light bereft, plunged with red forehead down along the wave, as dives a hero headlong to his grave. Then rose they, looking first along the skies, and then for light into each other's eyes, wondering that summer showed so brief a sun, and asking if indeed the day were done. And let not this seem strange, the devotee lives not in earth, but in his ecstasy. Around him days and worlds are heedless driven, his soul is gone before his dust to heaven. Is love less potent? No. His path is trod, alike uplifted gloriously to God, or linked to all we know of heaven below. The other better self, whose joy or woe is more than ours, the all-absorbing flame which kindled by another grows the same, wrapped in one blaze, the pure yet funeral pile where gentle hearts like Brahmins sit and smile. How often we forget all time, when lone, admiring nature's universal throne, her woods, her wilds, her waters, the intense reply of hers to our intelligence. Live not the stars and mountains. Are the waves without a spirit? Are the dropping caves without a feeling in their silent tears? No, no. They woo and clasp us to their spheres, dissolve this clog and clod of clay before its hour, and merge our soul in the great shore. Strip off this fond and false identity. Who thinks of self when gazing on the sky? And who, though gazing lower, ever thought, in the young moments ere the heart is taught time's lesson, of man's baseness or his own? All nature is his realm, and love his throne. Nuha arose, and Torquil. Twilight's hour came sad and softly to their rocky bower, which kindling by degrees its dewy spars echoed their dim light to the mustering stars. Slowly the pair, partaking nature's calm, sought out their cottage, built beneath the palm. Now smiling and now silent as the scene, lovely as love, the spirit, when serene. The ocean scarce spoke louder with his swell than breathes his mimic murmurer in the shell. As far divided from his parent deep, the sea-born infant cries and will not sleep, raising his little plaint in vain, to rave for the broad bosom of his nursing wave. The woods dropped darkly, as inclined to rest. The tropic bird wheeled rockward to his nest, and the blue sky spread round them like a lake of peace, where piety her thirst might slake. But through the palm and plantain, Hark! A voice! Not such as would have been a lover's choice, in such an hour to break the air so still. No dying night-breeze harping o'er the hill, striking the strings of nature, rock, and tree, those best and earliest lyres of harmony. With echo for their chorus, 
nor the alarm of the loud war-whoop to dispel the charm, nor the soliloquy of the hermit owl exhaling all his solitary soul, the dim though large-eyed winged anchorite who peels his dreary paean o'er the night, but a loud, long, and navel whistle, shrill as ever started through a sea-bird's bill, and then a pause, and then a hoarse, Hello! Torquil, my boy! What cheer! Ho, brother, ho! Who hails? cried Torquil, following with his eye the sound. Here's one, was all the brief reply. But here the herald of the selfsame mouth came breathing o'er the aromatic south, not like a bed of violets on the gale, but such as wafts its cloud or grog or ale, born from a short frail pipe, which yet had blown its gentle odours o'er either zone, and puffed where'er winds rise or waters roll, had wafted smoke from Portsmouth to the pole, opposed its vapour as the lightning flashed, and reeked midst mountain billows unabashed, to Aeolus a constant sacrifice, through every change of all the varying skies. And what was he who bore it? I may err, but deem him sailor or philosopher, sublime tobacco, which from east to west cheers the tar's labour or the Turkman's rest, which on the Moslem's ottoman divides his hours, and rivals opium and his brides, magnificent in Stamboul, but less grand, though not less loved in Wapping or the Strand, divine in hookahs, glorious in a pipe, when tipped with amber, mellow, rich, and ripe, like other charmers wooing the caress, more dazzlingly when daring in full dress. Yet thy true lovers more admire by far thy naked beauties. Give me a cigar. Through the approaching darkness of the wood a human figure broke the solitude, fantastically, it may be, arrayed, a seaman in a savage masquerade, such as appears to rise out from the deep, when o'er the line the merry vessels sweep, and the rough Saturnalia of the tar flock o'er the deck in Neptune's borrowed car. And pleased the god of ocean sees his name revive once more, though but in mimic game of his true sons, who riot in the breeze, undreamt of in his native Cyclades. Still the old god delights from out the main to snatch some glimpses of his ancient reign, our sailor's jacket, though in ragged trim, his constant pipe, which never yet burned dim, his foremast air and somewhat rolling gait, like his dear vessel, spoke his former state. But then a sort of kerchief round his head, not over-tightly bound, nor nicely spread, and instead of trousers, ah, too early torn, for even the mildest woods will have their thorn, a curious sort of somewhat scanty mat now served for inexpressibles and hat. His naked feet and neck and sunburnt face, perchance might suit alike with either race. His arms were all his own, our Europe's growth, which two worlds bless for civilizing both. The musket swung behind his shoulders broad, and somewhat stooped by his marine abode, but brawny as the boars, and hung beneath his cutlass drooped, unconscious of a sheath, or lost or worn away, his pistols were linked to his belt, a matrimonial pair. Let not this metaphor appear a scoff, though one missed fire, the other would go off. These with a bayonet not so free from rust, as when the arm-chest held its brighter trust, completed his accoutrements, 
as night surveyed him in his garb heteroclite. "'What cheer, Ben Bunting!' cried, when in full view our new acquaintance, Torquil. "'Aught of new?' "'Aye, aye,' quoth Ben, "'not new, but news enow, a strange sail in the offing.' "'Sail? And how? What, could you make her out? It cannot be. I've seen no rag of canvas on the sea.' "'Belike,' said Ben, you might not from the bay, but from the bluff-head where I watched to-day, I saw her in the doldrums, for the wind was light and baffling. When the sun declined, where lay she? Had she anchored? No, but still she bore down on us till the wind grew still. Her flag? I had no glass, but fore and aft, egad, she seemed a wicked-looking craft. Armed? I expect so. Sent on the lookout. "'Tis time belike to put our helm about. "'About? "'What air may have us now in chase "'will make no running fight, for that were base. "'We will die at our quarters like true men. "'Ay, ay, for that tis all the same to Ben. "'Does Christian know this? "'Ay, he has piped all hands to quarters. "'They are furbishing the stands of arms, "'and we have got some guns to bear and scaled them. "'You are wanted.' "'That's but fair.' And if it were not, mine is not the soul to leave my comrades helpless on the shoal. My Nuha! Ah, and must my fate pursue not me alone, but one so sweet and true? But whatsoe'er betide, ah, Nuha, now unman me not. The hour will not allow a tear. I am thine, whatever intervenes. Right, quoth Ben, that will do for the marines. End of Canto 2